everybody. Welcome to episode 170 of the Youth Ministry Booster Podcast. A fun interview episode today with our friend Heather Lee Kennison, formerly Heather Lee Campbell, talking about youth ministry, the future of, and the struggle in the midst. We hope that you enjoyed this fun interview episode, but we wanted to start by saying we've got some very big, fun things to give away to you starting next week. So wherever you're at, check out this episode, bookmark it, remind it to yourself that next week, February is here and the gifts will be made clear as we have things to give to you, youth ministry friends from around the world. And so we appreciate your listenership and for all those that subscribe, rate, and review, we love it. For the folks that we got to connect with this last couple of weeks at different conferences, Thanks for welcoming us back. It's been a busy time, a full time, but most importantly, a new year. And I hope in this new year, you found some ways to get connected in youth ministry. If you don't have the care and community surrounding you, this is the year for you to find it. This will be your best year if you have the quality, care, network, and support you need. It's a Wednesday. It's a Sunday, it's a weekend, it's a week out. All the things that you have going on, all the expectations that are put on you, all the relationships you're trying to manage. Invite in just one more layer, not to give, but to receive. Have the people that surround you, that know you, that love you, that have an authority to speak into your life, but are not an authority over you because we need those people to speak and pour out to because all we ever do is serve others and you need people that are pouring back into you. We hope that you'll check those things out. We love you and we are your biggest fan at Youth Ministry Booster. And so until then, we'll catch you at the end. Here's our interview with Heather Lee Kennison. Hey everybody, welcome back to another interview episode of the Ministry Booster Podcast with one of our new friends, Heather Lee Kennison. She comes to us all the way from Indianapolis, Indiana, the Indy, the St. Luke's, the UMC. Uh, Heather, how are you doing today? I am doing well. Thank you. Well, we're really excited to have you on the podcast today. We were trying to get this connected a few weeks ago. We finally got it together for this recording today. And we uh, had a big month where we were celebrating and encouraging and emphasizing women in youth ministry. Mm -hmm. And I know that for you, we got connected because you've got a cadre, a cohort, uh, a, uh, I don't, I'm trying to think of other really like esteemed titles for, for Facebook group, but a network and a connection of women in youth ministry. And I really want to talk today about your journey into youth ministry uh, and then also the journey of just like staying connected and networked in youth ministry. One of the things that's come out recently is it seems to be almost directly linked. Uh, the quality of the network around you in youth ministry determines your longevity in youth ministry. Okay. I think that is just uh, a refrain that bears repeating. And so before we get into the what's happening now, people want to know, before you were Heather Kennison, how in the world did you get into youth ministry of all things? I mean, like, like there are so many things that you could do. Why this? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I just, it, it, I guess still astounded every time we ask somebody and record with somebody, like there's a lot of other jobs, there's even new careers that are popping up in mm-hmm. case you haven't heard, but why youth ministry? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and I've only been Heather Kennison now for like less than a month. So that's right. So it's a whole new identity shift. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> my, my government name is still Campbell, you know, there it is. But... <laughs> there it is. Yeah. So, um, I have, I think a pretty interesting story. Um, I grew up in a home where my family was very poor and my parents were actually both addicts. And when I was five or six years old, a family friend invited me to go to church with her and I instantly fell in love with it. Church was this safe place for me. Um, 
where I felt the love as soon as I walked in. Uh, it was a beautiful Southern Baptist church in uh, kind of an urban part of St. Louis. And what I heard from the moment I walked in t- until the moment I left was Jesus loves you over and over again. And that was something I needed to hear um, as a kid in an at-risk situation. And so when that family friend couldn't bring me to church anymore, the church bus offered to pick me up every Sunday. So imagine a six-year-old choosing to go to church on her own, choosing one of the two Sunday dresses that she had rotating, obviously. Yeah. And a week, that's it. That's it. Absolutely. And choosing to go to church. Mm. And I loved it. And I got involved in children's music and did all of the musicals, you know, all the star roles, of course. And I was married the mother of Jesus and an Easter right. bunny. He wanted to be a Christmas bunny. Really weird stuff. Children's Stable music. Mabel. Right, right, right. So weird. <laughs> never forget yo Christmas tree. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff, man. Um, <laughs> but um, my parents would only come to church for my Christmas productions and for my baptism at the age of eight. Um, I remember begging to be baptized and the church was like, well, we, your parents don't go here. And I was like, but I need it. I need dunked. Um, (laughs) and so church was just so important to me when I was in middle school, uh, the senior pastor of the church said to us, look, you know, we are in the middle of Ferguson, which I'm sure you've heard of. And we have a very urban community around us. However, we're busing in white people essentially to come to our church. You guys are coming from the suburbs to come to this church. And if we're going to uh, be what a church should be, that means we need to reach our community. And reaching our community means that Black people are going to be in our church. And that also should mean that Black people are on our staff. And the church didn't like that. And so the church kind of split right down the middle. And everyone in my youth group left except for me, because I didn't have anywhere else to go. I was bused to church every week. Uh, Even the youth director left. And so um, I was kind of all alone. Mm. Well, they hired a new youth director and he and his wife, both African-American came to our church and uh, looked around and saw me and their niece that they brought (laughs) and built the entire youth group on us, uh, relied on me to bring my friends, um, the Southern Baptist church that, you know, I went to was very conservative, Mm. but kind of looked at, uh, myself and saw leadership qualities and started making adjustments Mm. in order to grow the church. Mm. And so we went from just me to 60 youth in like a year. It was nuts. Mm. And we started reaching community in really cool ways. And really, I got groomed. I got groomed for ministry. So my junior year of high school, the youth pastor says to me, so, you know, when you graduate, are you going to take over the youth group? I was like, no way. (laughs) I would never. I, I, you know, my family life was so hard. I thought I have no authority over anyone. Mm. Like, I'm just trying to survive. But, you know, a wonderful cry night at camp six months later, and I really met the Holy Spirit there. And mm-hmm. I felt God's voice say to me, this is what you're meant to be. Yeah. And so that was when I really surrendered it all, changed mm-hmm. my life around, um, started becoming a, a better person, a better kid. I mean, it was just amazing. Uh, went to college, went to a, a Southern Baptist college in Missouri and beat my way through the boys <laughs> uh, to graduation, graduated with youth ministry, theology degrees. And uh, I got my first church position at the age of 20. 
um, at a Southern Baptist church that looked at me and said, uh, we have this one girl in our youth group who we think we could build the youth group on. We'll make an adjustment. We'll hire a female youth director if it means building this youth group on this girl. For her, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And Mm. hired me. I had, again, (laughs) I had no authority there, (laughs) but Mm. I was able to do some really cool work there at 20 years old. But you had the experience of being that one girl, that one of those young girls. Yeah, no, that's see, see, as, as, as a, as a, um, loosely Baptistic, uh, person serving in a Southern Baptist church, it's these stories of adjustment that just keep me encouraged, Heather. Like it's, uh, you can disparage the whole, but sometimes the parts are not the sum that make the whole. (laughs) There are, there are some of these communities that, uh, that's powerful. That's powerful. Yeah. And even though I'm in a much different place theologically now, I know that fundamentalism totally saved my life. It's what put me on the right track. It's what beat, um, you know, this pattern of addiction in my family. My entire family is addicted to drugs. Mm. Um, But for whatever reason, I'm not. And my little sister's not. And someone a few weeks ago, um, upon hearing my story, said to me, you know, we talk a lot about generational poverty or generational disparagement. But rarely do we talk about generational redemption, generational restoration. And he pointed out to me that that's what my story is. You know, through what God has done in my life, through my little sister's life, my mom is now on the right track. Um, I have family members who are kind of waking up and recognizing some of the things that are happening um, in our family. And I mean, God is just doing this huge work in my family's life, um, just setting us on this right track. It's wonderful. Well, that's a, that's a powerful story. Thank you for sharing your story uh, into youth ministry. Uh, I'd be really interested to hear, because it sounds like there's some really key bits from your growing up that have, have influenced you uh, almost at like a DNA level um, to serving in youth ministry. But I wonder on the other side of like not being the young girl who was called to ministry, but now being the, the young woman who's serving in ministry, what is like one of the experiences that you hold on to in that? I mean, we talk a lot, I think the importance of like call storing, being able to like, mm-hmm. when other things go wrong, we remember that we were called. But I think maybe at an experiential level, like serving with young people, leading in youth ministries, what are some of the moments or maybe experiences that when the weeks are really tough, you mm-hmm. think about these particular things? Sure. So I do middle school ministry and it's chaotic. A lot and you of the definitely time. need to hold on to the things because, because it is, yeah. it is, it's erratic, right? It's so good. Yes. And, so and I love erratic. it so much. <laughs> so it is I, the agony and the ecstasy. <laughs> yes. So I originally thought that I was going to go into inner city ministry because okay. I was an inner city kid. Yeah. Um, and you it's know, it's your just, story and journey. Sure, sure. Absolutely. And that just didn't work out for me. Um, and, and that's, and I think honestly that God didn't want me in inner city ministry, I did it for a while and it was okay. But now I work with really affluent kids, <laughs> like the total opposite of where I thought I would be. What I'm recognizing is middle school kids are a lot like inner city kids and in that nothing is safe for them. Everything around them is changing in chaos all the time. Yeah. And it's Their just bodies are betraying them. them. <laughs> bodies are betraying them, man. Like, man. If you work with middle school students, please hear us and know like that cannot be said enough that like, I know that you feel like you have a struggle, like capturing their attention, attention listener, but know that like when your body is producing odors and hairs that you weren't ready for, your 12 to 20 minute talk is the least of their concerns some weeks. It's not oh you. Gosh. It's not you. Like they just, 
they want to know why they smell funny and they want to know like like their brain chemistry it's literally body, dying it's dying and changing yeah. and betraying them <laughs> it's not your 18 minute talks fault you were funny we mm-hmm. believe you but <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So a few years ago, we started this program called invite night where students bring their friends and we have this really fun, high energy event. And, um, (laughs) there were a few times after these invite nights where my volunteers and I would look at each other and be like, that game failed. They weren't listening during the sermon. They were jumping up and down on the chairs during worship. And we kind of look at each other and go, why are we doing this? Are we doing this right? And so I came up with a measurement (laughs) because I thought, well, um, if we ever feel like we're not doing it right, we need to ask ourselves a few questions. And uh, the first question is, were students safe? Mm. Yes. The second question was, did they have fun in community with peers? Yes. And three, did they learn a new thing about God? Mm. Yes. And that's my measurement. When things feel like they're falling apart, were they safe? Did they have fun in community? Do they learn a new thing about God? And if we checked those three things off, who cares that the game failed? Who cares that they were jumping on the seats? Who cares if it appeared like they weren't listening during the sermon? Yeah. If those three things are accomplished, then we've done our job. Then it's a good week. It's, it's a good group. It's a good week. It's a good gathering time. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And those expectations have to always be addressed. Because I think sometimes as noble as the work is, being grounded in the right kinds of expectations really matters. Okay, but I want to, Okay, so I'm going to press you then. Because uh, it sounds like you went through it with your team, but I want to hear about it for you. Uh, were there ever some nights or some Sunday mornings or some Thursdays that you almost quit? Like, like as much as you were called, as much as it's a holy work, uh, were there ever days that you were like, maybe I don't drive back to church today. Maybe we just go somewhere else and do. Yeah, never actually working with people. That's the thing. Okay. Um, and maybe it's because I I believe that people are good at their core mm. and that all the mess we see on the outside is just exactly that mess. And maybe it's, it's because I grew up caked on, on the outside. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just a pattern of choices and circumstances. And so I believe that people are good. Um, so never after a night of ministry have I uh, thought maybe this isn't for me. Okay. There was a season about a year and a half ago um, where I thought I was going to leave the church that I was at. Okay. And the reason why was my team around me was changing, just like chaotically changing. Okay. And um, Carrie Newoff, I once heard him say that people don't fear change, they fear loss. Yeah. So whenever you're encountering a change, you start thinking about all the things that you're going to lose. Lose because of it. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. So I made a list of things that I was losing. And I went to like the senior pastor about this, which is kind of a big deal in our church. I'm an Enneagram eight, so that it probably explains it. Um and I went to him and said, Here are all the things I'm losing. My my seven my seven seizure eight. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh so I said, Here are all the things I'm losing, here are all the things I'm grieving and mourning. I have this Mm. list of grievances like nailed to your door. And I just mourned it. And I went through this series, season of mourning. Uh, I joked that I was a wayward child. I was looking into other Methodist churches in the area in particular. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I thought, oh my gosh, I could never leave this church. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't even just the students. I love the students here. Don't get me wrong. But I thought I can find students elsewhere um, mm-hmm. that I'll love. I've done it before. And, um, you know, I thought it's not even the preaching, although the preaching is important to me. It's, I could find another small group. It was my volunteers. My volunteers kept me here because okay. I thought I've built this core group of leaders who are loyal to me yeah. and they're loyal to this ministry. And I could never, ever leave them. 
Mm-hmm. That was the thing that kept me here. Um, and to be honest, there were some other factors that went into my season of being a wayward child. I was learning how to be in love with somebody for the first time, uh, becoming vulnerable with another human, uh, yeah. emotionally intimate. That's scary crap. <laughs> that's, a, uh, that's some eighth growth. That's some eight growth right there. That's it. it. Is. That's it. it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was honest with my senior pastor when I gave him my 95 grievances and said, I know a lot of this has to do with my personal life. Mm. Um, but nonetheless, here I am bearing myself for you to, to see everything I'm, mm. I'm going through and, and worrying about. So I'm in a very healthy place now. My husband loves this church. Cool. Um, he grew up Catholic and he just loves it here. And, um, I love the church. The, the things that we're doing are so holy and I feel so mm. blessed to be a part of it. That's good. All right. People want to know, because this is one of the questions that's become a namesake for us in a lot of ways. Sure. Um, after a big Sunday or Wednesday, midweek, youth activity, fall, retreat, lock-in, whatever, um, what do you do? We call this our after nine question because what, what, it's the self-care. It's the, mm-hmm. for some people, it's the milkshake. It's the call to mom. It's the quiet car ride home. It's the mm-hmm. immediate like dissection of the sermon with spouse. What, what do you do after a big... Uh, again, energetic eight of Enneagram, you're, you're giving a lot of energy to it. Uh, maybe you have a a little, you still got a lot because you're at eight, but you got a little bit less to give. How do you recharge? How do you care for yourself after a big expenditure, uh, relationally? Yeah. Usually I grab a drink. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Especially after an invite night, we, uh, end at like nine 30 on a Friday night and so my volunteers and I have a lot of young adults on my team. We'll kind of clean up the space and we'll go grab a drink okay. uh, at this microbrewery nearby and eat an appetizer. And we might talk a little bit about it or we'll just get to know each other. Better you group. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> um, and usually the next day I take a long nap. Okay. Uh, in the morning. I also, is, I, is, the, is a Friday, the regular habit of meeting mm-hmm. into the Saturday. Well, that makes yep. for a really nice Sabbath. Yep. Just, and I'll go eat holy that way. Yeah. Yes. I'll go find the, I, there's a great breakfast buffet in town that I love to go to. And that's really what I do to recharge. I okay. grab a drink with the people, with my people. Um, yeah. Quality yeah. time is so important to me. So I'll get a drink with them. And then the next day, sleep in, have some breakfast. Well, Heather, uh, we built a time machine and we always love asking this question because I think it reveals as much about us now as it did then. Uh, but if we had a time machine to go back to first year, uh, Heather Campbell self in youth ministry, what is something that Heather Kennison would tell her then, uh, that only you could tell her that only you could get through to her because everybody else is full of it. But, but you, you and your precise knowledge of the future would tell her this is the most important thing that she should know about youth ministry. Sure. Man, I had a lot going on for me when I was 20 years old trying to run a youth ministry. But the thing that I regret the most, and maybe it was the internship I had this summer before I got this position, was to put up some boundaries with students. I mean, I was 20, though. Um, And, you know, I just remember regretting a lot of stupid things that I said that I thought was funny because I was in Bible college at 20 years old, but that was not funny to students and kind of offended them and um, offended their families that I acted that way or said those things, or um, I just wish I had better boundaries that I wasn't their friend as much that um, a little bit more about being a leader, a a little, a little too close to being big sister and not being a mentor kind of thing. 
absolutely. And it's okay. so funny because now I'm a mama bear character. Um, okay. So maybe I've done a 180. I don't know. Okay. Um, okay. But I have respect from students, but I also can still capture their, you know, um, yeah. I don't know, be compassionate with them and mm. empathetic. So I have it mostly balanced now, maybe a little too heavy on the bear part of mama bear. Okay. But man, when I was 20, <laughs> I treated them like a friend and that it didn't, it didn't bode well. It it doesn't play well. It it works for a season until it doesn't. And Mm -hmm. that's what it becomes. Yeah. That's a good word. That's a good word. And I think also though, to not worry about being too much of an adult too, though, if, if that's maybe I'm contradicting myself. Okay. Let's say, okay, let's go. Let's go there. Yeah. Just say more, say more. Yeah. 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 Cause you know, I'm 28 now and I still am a baby and, or at least people tell me I'm a baby and it bothers me some days, but whatever. Um, there's a little bit of ageism in ministry and that's okay. But I have to kind of constantly remind myself that I am in the stage that I am and that's okay. Yeah. And 20 year old. Where Heather, else would you be if you weren't where you are now? Right. Absolutely. And 20-year-old Heather, sure, 20 years old, definitely a little bit more of a peer leader than yeah. an adult, needed to grow up a little bit. But 24-year-old Heather, 25, 28-year-old Heather, just embrace where you're at and yeah. be okay with that. I'm not a parent. I don't have to worry you know, about being offended because someone told me, you're not a parent, you don't get it. Okay, right. so I don't get it. So let's lean Great. into that teach, and figure teach, out how to, how to yeah. yeah, teach me, help yeah. me get into your world. Yeah. So don't worry about it too much. Good. Okay. Okay. Well, let's, uh, let's get into a couple more questions uh, that I just want to follow up with for some stuff, but uh, use ministry uh, is a game of, of tools and sharpening and growing and process and system and applications, all those things. So give us, uh, give us from, from, from Indianapolis and St. Luke's to where you're at to us. Uh, what is something that you would recommend either that you're u- utilizing or experimenting or trying or implementing for either you or your team? It's been like, guys, gals, this is everything. Hmm. So I've been sharing this a lot um, lately with people. I'm recognizing that people don't really know how to manage projects well. Okay. And I have a legit spreadsheet for project management, man. Okay. And, uh, so you're not talking just time, you're talking projects, projects. Okay. So like okay. anytime I have a retreat or honestly, even just like an event in general, uh, camp mission trips, whatever, I have a wonderful spreadsheet that not only keeps myself organized, but keeps any team members, yeah. uh, including lay volunteers, like all of us organized yeah. and it's on Google drive. So everyone can work on it live. On the phones and, and live. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's great. And it has different uh, tabs to it. Yeah. And I actually utilized it and uh, kind of hijacked a little and retweaked it for my wedding. And there the first is. thing that the a big event, <laughs> yeah, like the biggest event of my life. The biggest event of your career. <laughs> yeah. And the pastor who married us joked that like, I had every minute planned down to the T. And then at the end of the wedding, when we finished two minutes early, he's like, well, good job, Heather. <laughs> well, li- listen, like when you're planning, like when you're in youth ministry and you care about events, plan them well, friends. Like you should have an accounting for all. Why not have an accounting for every minute? So that way you don't get trapped into games like lock-ins where there is no accounting for all the minutes. 
Absolutely. Well, yeah. Well, and I track every minute of a walk in too. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh. Like we'll never do one again. And like, so tell me why it's 12 hours. Okay. Then what are we doing? Could we do it in eight hours? Let's do it in eight hours then. Right. <laughs> So yeah. funny. Yeah. But I track like I have the budget in it and all this stuff. Good. So my assistant, okay. we don't have to meet a million times for me right. to tell her, here's more things to do. Here's more things to do. Oh, I forgot about this. No, it's already there. Okay. And every year I just copy it and we work from a new one and, or like, you know, from that one. Right. And it's awesome. It's the best tool that I have. Keep it duplicated. That's it. No, that's good. Okay, good, good, good. Uh, well, that's important to hear. I think organization uh, for youth ministers, especially in this season of end of the year, first of the year, mm-hmm. I think is vital because this is a chance to freshen up some of your systems, to reevaluate uh, what you have in place, what you don't have in place, what you need to put in place. And I think that's really, really key stuff. Okay. A question for you, because I think this is the territory I want to take it. Mm-hmm. What, do you, what do you think are some of the upcoming challenges in youth ministry? I think, I think we define some stuff in kind of the first couple decades of youth ministry, but it feels like we're in a new era, a new season. What do you feel... Um, uh, what, what do you feel is like, this is something that youth ministers in 2018 ought to be thinking about for their students in the coming years, or you feel like this is like the early reverberations for, for something else. So the, the, the ripples in the pond kind of situation. Hmm. Well, there's so much. <laughs> and I think it also depends on maybe your context a little. I see, you know, I see a lot of people trying to figure out what does it mean to be inclusive of LGBTQ youth in our ministry. I think that's going to be a big um, upcoming issue for a lot of people. Uh, We as a church are um, a little bit past that. We kind of figured our position and out, you know, maybe 10 years ago. So we're a little bit past that right now. Our high school director and I talk uh, a lot about what model of youth ministry is going to work for our context. We have a one hour culture here where people come to church all at the same time, drop their kids off at youth group, but you know, the younger ones off at children's church and go to church service and families never worship together. And it's hard. And it's, we know that it's not working. Um, and they so like, so like adult worship, youth, kids, Mm -hmm. all. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. And they're never going to, to church together. Okay. And then they won't come back for Wednesday night or a Sunday night. We've tried all of that. Um, it's just not working. And so we're trying to figure out, well, what is going to work? Okay. We're playing around with that a little bit. And I know a lot of other churches are asking, you know, who are in the same boat as us are asking a similar question. We're also trying to figure out what does it look like for families to do their faith together if they're not mm-hmm. doing it on Sunday morning. Yeah. So our church is playing around with an idea right now called kitchen table groups, which are like small groups, but that happen once a month. Okay. Um, and we're also trying to ask ourselves what will get our high schoolers here. We have a, an awesome middle school ministry that's vibrant and growing. Um, we've had a lot of staff turnover in high school the past few years um, and just haven't had a really vibrant high school ministry in at least five years now since before I came here. So we're trying to figure out what's going to get high schoolers back. So this morning, Travis, our high school director, and I were talking about, well, maybe they need a little bit more urgency under their belt. Okay. Especially the progressive church that, um, you know, that people are only coming to once or twice a month. Maybe they don't realize why church is important. Okay. So we're talking about, well, how do we get that kind of urgency back? Not yeah. like turn or burn kind of stuff, but you know, do you hey, know? You wanna, hey, you want to be here because you're missing something. So what, what's that Absolutely. conversation look like? So what is that conversation for y'all? 
Yeah. So we're talking about like, um, so I've been immersed in John Wesley and the history of Methodism for the last week, preparing for the next unit of our confirmation program. And I'm fascinated by the idea of holiness groups. Mm. Um, that's how Methodism started was yeah. John Wesley. It was the method in the Methodism. That's it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's what the method was. They started this like holy club at their seminary and these, this group of guys got together and, and every week they prayed for one another. They served together. They asked each other, how is your soul today? Mm. And they studied scripture together. And that's right. what started. That was kind of the method, methodology mm-hmm. that started Methodism. And so we're talking about, well, do our kids ever ask each other, how's your soul doing? Do mm-hmm. they keep one another accountable? Uh, you know, they're barely coming on Sunday mornings. So how do we elevate that to, yeah. to get them to really understand the urgency behind that? So that's what he and I were just talking about this morning. And I'm just kind of really energized by that idea because, cool. you know, well, but we also, at the same time, I don't want to say that if the kids come, their parents will come too. The other thing is our church is trying to figure out how do we get these parents here? Because they'll make decisions for their household. They just don't see it's important either. Right, right. So, they're satisfied at whatever level they're at. And I think that that level of satisfaction, we've got to find a way, if we're not satisfied, to disrupt the satisfaction. Because I think for a lot of, I mean, um, I, I've not been to Indy very much, um, but I would share from our context that we've got a lot of folks in a similar place that they're coming two out of five Sundays a month and mm-hmm. they're not mad. They just, that's what works for them. And that feels yeah. like it's enough. It's like going to the gym, like probably ought to go four times a week, but twice a week is that's probably good. That's better than most. I'm, you know, yeah. uh, and so whatever it is, like it, it's, they're contented with their level. It's the same with busyness, right? Everybody is as busy as they can handle. Everybody is coming to church as often as they feel compelled to. And so the question is uh, either finding ways to bring it to them or to disrupt or dissatisfy their satisfaction. If we think that it means the difference. And so that's it. holiness groups as yeah. interesting. Interesting. Well, the the question, how's your soul today is um, one more thing I'd like to ask you about just, and I think that's just uh, for our time here and for kind of the spirit of what Youth Ministry Booster has been about is how important is it to you in your continuing journey from, from call to continuing journey in youth ministry to have other people in your life that are asking you, Heather, how is your soul Hmm. today? Yeah, it's hard. I don't think a lot of people stop to ask people that anymore. Because it's a slow ask, right? It's, it's a, it's a, when you ask that, you are inviting someone to give a long answer. And most mm-hmm. people are not ready for the long answer. And remember, Enneagram 8s hate vulnerability. So Right, right. <laughs> I love vulnerability. It just really... Let's talk great. about it. How are people's souls, Heather? How are people's right. souls? Forget that. Yeah. Let's bring it, bring it to earth. Let's bring it to earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, I think that I'm really fortunate being on a big church staff where I have plenty of people I can go to. When I was by myself on a church staff, it was really hard to find people to ask me that because it was like, you know, me and the senior pastor and the music director against the church, not against, but you know what I mean? Like, and then the church. And so there is a, there is a uh, division or difference or deference between those that serve on staff and those that don't, it it complicates things. Yeah. Yeah. It does. It does. And being on a big staff there, you know, I have my core people who check in with me on that. Um, And so I feel 
in a much better place and being in a big church, there are, you know, people in my age and stage who are also thinking about me and, and thinking about that. So I, f- I feel a much healthier person because of those people. Mm. And it's also great because I'm like married now and I have a person who really should be worrying about it all the time. Mm. And so I think that's really helpful for me too, um, to have someone I can be really honest and real with. Uh, You know, one of the, one of my favorite parts of being married was being around all of my bridesmaids. Uh, Mm. Two of them were from college. One was my baby sister and two of them are friends here from Indy and kind of getting us all in a room and feeling them genuinely care about me, you know, genuinely a part of my journey as a human being, as a Christian, as a mm-hmm. youth pastor, um, was really great and kind of reminded me of the support that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was awesome to, to really feel that. So I don't know if people ask that question a lot, but I certainly feel like they care about it. Mm-hmm. So. Good. I don't know what it looks like to start asking people that. That could be like a, a new weird thing I try for a while. That's our new spirit. We're doing it we're from now from now until until next time. That's what we're going to do. Yes. Just walk up to How's random. I just soul today. No, that's it. That's all I'm going to ask, and we're just going to let it go. Well, friend, uh, thank you so much for sharing today. If folks want to get connected with you uh, more, either on the social medias or the emails or the online, what's the best way for folks to get? connected with Heather Kinnison beyond this conversation. So I have Instagram and Twitter and all that. You can find me at Heather Lee, L-E-A-1717. And that's where you can find me. And I have a blog that I just changed my new last name. There it is. And it's heatherleekennison.blog. Dot blog? Dot blog. I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I got married right after my blog name like re-upped for the year yeah so you can still find me at heatherleycampbell.me but you can also, also find, find me, me at the dot blog <laughs> <laughs> oh super well yeah. friend thank you so much for sharing today and yeah. uh, it's just a bit of blessed time so yeah i appreciate it thanks for the invite all right, everybody, there you go. That's our interview with Heather Lee Kennison. Um, you should check the links below where you can get connected with her. And if you're a woman in youth ministry interested in her Facebook group, you can find her there. But hear this message, the quality of your support, the network around you. It is your bridal party, your groomsmen, your bridesmaids, the people you need in your life that are cheering for you and fighting for you. And if you don't have one of those groups, we would love for you to check out Youth Ministry Booster, the online care community for youth ministers. The work is too important. The challenge is too great to go it alone. Find the care and community you need at youthministrybooster.com. And until then, we'll see you next week.